it's uh Yes, we are recording. All right, cool. So, uh, mentioning dispatches is rumbling on in season eight. Mike is back. Mike, welcome back. How you doing? I'm glad to be back. I'm I'm glad you are back. That's that's outstanding. And the uh, the plague still hasn't caught up with you yet, so that's good, right? Oh, it's still trying, but it hasn't done it yet. What's the retirement countdown at ten months and three hundred and eleven days. Three hundred and eleven days. <laughs> Not that I'm counting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then a uh, a first timer for mentioning dispatches joining us for the first time here on the podcast. Uh, our buddy Justin out in it. Are you in Seattle? Or are you just out in the Seattle metro area? Yeah, on the left coast somewhere. Yeah, Seattle metro area. We'll call it that. Yeah. How's it going? Like, yeah, uh, pretty good here. So it's look, I, I'm in Raleigh. But like when I go over to Gamers Armory and, you know, people, where is that? It's in Raleigh. No, it's in Cary. Look, nobody that isn't from here knows where Cary is, right? It's in Raleigh, right? That's that's all anybody knows around here. They don't know the difference between Nightdale and Garner. Half the people that live here don't know the difference between. So uh, before we get started on tonight's show with Justin, uh, we do have a, a an event announcement we need to make here. The uh, U.S. Fight Club is very similar to the U.K. Fight Club. It's this very loose collection of... Uh, sort of professional practitioner kinds of gamers that that also bring in some of the hobby world as well. And they do a variety of events aimed at helping the professional development and, and further the exposure of the, the wargaming world to the professionals and the practitioners. And so they've got a variety of events that they've been doing over the course of the last uh, last year and a half or so since they've really stood up this effort and put put some push into it. And so in the uh, looking forward from when we're recording this podcast, right? If you're listening to this three years from now, can't help you. But uh, as we are recording this podcast, spring of 2022, on April 30th, USA Fight Club's got an event uh, up in Arlington, Virginia. So those of you in the DC metro area or folks that can get there easily enough, uh, there's a big Fight Club event going to be going on at the Improbable Defense US headquarters. That's a company that's donated their space. They're letting USA Fight Club use their facility. And so on the night of April 30th, 5 to 10 p.m. Uh, they're they're going to, you know, put out some snacks and munchies and, and light munchies and whatever. And so they're going to do a variety of in-person games. And this is this tabletop stuff. The plan is not to go digital, although there may end up being a couple of digital things. Um, but but the whole uh, all right. It, I take that back. They're going to do tabletop stuff on site. They're going to have some hybrid things so that folks want to join remotely can. So there will be some digital gaming as a part of that. Um, but there's an RSVP on the, the website. It's usafight.club. So you can go RSVP on the website if you want to uh, come hit the area. Again, there's no cost to this. They're just asking that you RSVP so that they can make sure they've got enough site support for how many people they think are going to be there. Uh, in the past, these kinds of things have included a variety of... Uh, just hobby war games of professional interest. So a lot of the modern era things uh, like Next War series or some of the coin series, those sorts of GMT products. I imagine some of the Compass games, um, Cold War kind of stuff is probably going to get some run. And, and who knows what these hybrid ones are going to involve in terms of uh, some online play. It may be Vassal and Tabletop Simulator stuff. It may be some actual digital games. So we'll have to see. In any event, usafight.club is where you would go to get more information. Um, and, and so this is April 30th from 5 to 10 p.m. So with that infomercial out of the way, we can now get back to just cutting up and goofing off because that's sort of what we do. And so with all of that, um, Justin, with you being the first time here, we're going to let you sort of talk about yourself a little bit. And and one of the big places where people might have seen you is you've got a YouTube channel where you do a bunch of coverage of wargaming stuff. Talk to us a little bit about the channel. Yeah, well, so the channel, um, <laughs> the channel started basically uh, kind of at, like it wasn't like it's supposed to be a long term thing. It was actually just started as a thing to occupy my time and play games that I had been sitting on my shelf during the pandemic and hadn't been doing a lot of wargaming. And I just gone through a breakup. So I had all, a bunch of free time uh, on my hands. And I was like, you know, like I should start playing some of these games. And so I decided I'm going to start a YouTube channel, um, which, by the way, if you search on YouTube for Just a Guard, J-U-S-T-E-G-A-R-D-E, that's where you can find it. But I started I started just doing playthroughs of games that I was soloing that I was just trying to get played that I'd always wanted to play. And um you know, uh, people started watching them and leaving comments and that kind of like, you know, had me eager to do more. And, you know, we were still in the pandemic. This is like right prior to what before vaccines rolled out. So we were still kind of, or at least I was still 
um, hanging out indoors a lot, uh, not going and doing things necessarily. And so it was a nice way to like spend some time, especially like after work, if I wanted to like not be in front of a screen, essentially I I work in video games professionally. So a lot of my time at work is in front of screens, whether it's like a computer for work or in front of the game that we, that we develop. Um, so yeah, so I started YouTube channel, started doing war games, something that I'm like super passionate about as like a hobby and people kept watching. And then, um, I decided when I was out and about like at conventions or whatever, Hey, it's a good opportunity like to do some content, whip out the camera. Um, you know, just just kind of whatever is interesting to me. I don't really have like a, a rhyme or reason to like what the content is, or there's not really like a um, there's not really like a, a concept to the channel per se. Like some people have, you know, uh, I just kind of like take do video about what's interesting. A lot of the time, that's kind of going with a game that I'm playing solo, but sometimes it's other things as well. So I've been doing that for I think it'll actually have been a year, a couple weeks ago, I think, is when I uploaded the first video. So it's it's been awesome. Very cool. So yeah, we're look, the channel's linked below this podcast episode, so folks, you just click on that. And- bounce right on over um so you get a chance to see that so mike you know just randomly throwing up youtube videos of games you're sitting there playing solo this doesn't sound at all familiar does it no that's an interesting idea and i may have to try that myself (laughs) (laughs) says the mike hopping in the time machine dude how how long has my worst enemy been going now i mean it's aren't you i'm approaching i'm approaching two years i think it is it yeah it's kind of i'm kind of in the same boat as justin it's funny the pandemic and how it changes things i i had plans for when i retired i'm like you know i'm going to start doing a war game channel on youtube and of course the pandemic hits and you're locked indoors and it's like yeah, i'm going to start it now because i have the time to do it <laughs> And so, and, and much like Justin, it wasn't really anything that I was initially thought I would do long-term. And so, you know, I tell people when I go back now and watch the first couple of videos, I look like a, a hostage reading from a prepared statement in those things. Um, <laughs> I, I am getting better, but um, yeah, um, it's kind of kind of what I did, you know, and I really I enjoy doing it now. And the more I do it, the more I like it. So I love hearing stories like Justin's. I think the more of us that get in and on YouTube and do this, the better for the hobby. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, the other thing too, is it's like during the pandemic, especially, it's like not a single person I know who plays war games or board games in general stopped buying them. So, you know, it was like, how do we, how do I get through the library? Cause like there's still stuff coming into the house. Right. And I haven't seen anyone for a year at this point. I haven't had a game night in a year and it's, you know, am I ever going to get these played? Right. So uh, it's kind of an outlet for that too. And And for everyone else who's sitting at home, who like wants to see some of this stuff played. I know that when I watch like content on YouTube, it's like, I want to watch stuff that like excites me that I either I don't own or I've never played or get other people's opinions on it. Um, that's the kind of stuff that's interesting. So I, I feel like the pandemic, if there's a silver lining to take from it as it relates to war games, it's kind of the content creation space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah that's, you know, that, that's how, <laughs> that's how Gary's counter clipping stream started, right? Gary just turned the camera on one night and just, Hey, let's just talk about war games while I'm sitting here clipping counters. And and it wasn't by design. He he'll tell you it totally wasn't by design, but a half a dozen people were watching live and chatting back with him. He's like, Yeah, this is kind of fun. Let's do this again next week. And like six weeks later, you know, people are like, damn it, when's the Monday night stream go live? And so here he is, like a year later, and he he hasn't stopped and you know, probably couldn't if he if he wanted to, you know. That's his thing now. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. he's the counter clipping and scotch guy. <laughs> 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 as as we are recording this, Gary is at Winterfest, and and that did not stop him. He still did the counter clipping stream live from Winterfest last night. The problem was the hotel Wi Fi, <laughs> and and it was like trying to watch a video on dial up in 1996. <laughs> it's just sort of constantly buffering and and sticking, and it was it was hard to watch. I mean, the guys but he, did, but he did manage to uh, get an extra bottle of scotch in there. I saw, so he actually had two bottles of scotch on the desks. <laughs> well, but he also had extra people stopping by so he had to share the scotch he did he was he was sharing that's true yes yes so i'm it's funny you mentioned that video that that stream because i'm actually watching it as as a video today kind of off and on between work and stuff like that just to see what's going on and like following his coverage of uh of winterfest and seeing the pictures on his social media of all the crazy ocs stuff that they're testing there has been super awesome yeah yeah now winterfest is always a visual treat for folks that uh that that can follow the coverage that gary does and anybody else that happens to be posting pictures from there um the biggest issue with winterfest is that it's in ohio in February and nobody wants to have to go to Ohio in February. Like we get it. That's when you can get cheap hotel space. Totally understand. It's still Ohio in February. It's not, not the garden spot. With with the whole idea of, you know, you're right. People did not stop buying games just because the pandemic hit. 
and and uh, my own game library that doesn't all fit on the shelves anymore is a testament to that. So I've, I've, <laughs> I, I now have to go. I've thinned it out as much as I'm going to thin it out. It's time to go get more shelves. And, uh, and that's going to involve a rearranging of furniture up here. But yeah, I've got the stack starting to pile up on the, uh, on the monitor boxes over here on the side that, that is starting to get a little ridiculous. If you want to know what came in, go check the last like eight months worth of unboxing days. Cause I've got all kinds of stuff in there that we've been posting pictures of. Uh, Mike, you're much in the same boat, right? The still had games coming in. It's the stuff that showed up in unboxing day, but you know, there's yep. plenty to play with, right? They have not stopped coming in. No, but one thing, I, one thing you just said, though, I, you really need to tell us how you managed to thin down your collection because I do not understand those words. I don't, don't get that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, honestly, so th- this is something that that actually does matter a little bit is because we because of the site and and previous sites that I've worked at, I do get a bunch of review copies sent to me or some comp copies from from publishers here and there. And and one of the things that I always make it a point to do is if I am thinning some of those out because in some cases I'm covering games because I'm trying to help promote stuff. You know, to, whether it's it's particular designers or publishers or new games or new game lines or whatever. Like we're going to review those things. We're going to talk about them. We're we're going to, you know, do some coverage of them, whether they're AARs or whatever. At a minimum, we're unboxing stuff. If it's something that I paid for, like, I'll figure out how to take care of that. I may trade it with somebody. I may sell it. I might whatever. If it's stuff that got sent to us for comp copies, I either find somebody at one of the other Dragoons to send it to. Or I end up donating it to one of the game libraries. Like Gamers Armory here in town has a pretty good game library that people can check out to play when they're over at the store. Back when I lived in Columbus, review copies of things that I got that I wasn't keeping all got donated to cabs. So the uh, like the Tide of Iron game that they have at cabs was one that I donated to them. Uh, Hector and Achilles was one that I'd covered way back at the Wargamer.com days. And I wasn't going to keep that one. So I ended up donating that one to cabs. So if they're ones that get sent to us as comp copies from publishers, we find another home for those you know if it's something that i paid for then i might end up selling that or trading that with somebody so something else to to get some other kind of games in the door for me here um but you know even with the dragoons like we end up sharing games around mike you've shipped some stuff to people i've got one here sitting in a box waiting to send to you banzai cat when he was moving during his last move he sent me his whole set of millennium wars games so that was something else i had found space for on the shelf <laughs> but my goal my goal is to have my game room look like like a like an occult bookstore from like a movie you know where it's like <laughs> precariously precariously stacked things that you have to like wind your way through you need like a map once you're in there to get out you know kind of thing it's just i, I just want you to be able to get lost like floor to ceiling like war games you know yeah so the people that are listening to the audio can't see this but i'm gonna move the camera just so that you can see the stack of that's the euro game stack over there in the corner and so i just describing it to the uh to, to the audio folks from the bottom working up it's Islebound, city of iron two boxes worth of Marinostrum, historia imperial settlers kingdom builder risk 2210 ad the jaws of the lion gloomhaven set the old pathfinder beginner box uh what is that one Oh, Steam Time, Castle Ravenloft, and High Frontier in one stack that is sort of kind of balanced on a baby bookshelf. That's um, a solid pillar. Yes. Yes, it is. And so the, the, uh, the, uh, <laughs> I was going to say that the game collections that I've seen online that impress me are Stuka Joe's is one, if you've watched oh, yeah. this yes. video. And I think it's Alexander from the Player's Aid. He took us to yeah. his library once, and it was also equally impressive. I was like, wow, that's my goal, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Eric Walter's War Room. Um, he's in the midst of moving right now. He was uh, down in the middle of Virginia somewhere, but he's moving up to the D.C. area right now. So it'll be interesting to see what the new War Room looks like. The third floor of his old house was nothing but his his War Game room, and the guy's got over 1,100 titles in there. But he's also got one of the big 10-seat geek chic tables in the middle of it. And, uh, and Mike, you remember seeing those from Origins. So. Okay, and now you say he's moving to the D.C. area. I'm going to need to know where he's moving to exactly. I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to broadcast it on the podcast, but I, I can get you in touch with uh, with the good Colonel, and you can you can hang out and chat with him some. Uh, oh, Colonel, no, no, I'm, I, I, I'm wanted by the military. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's retired. Um, he's he, he's he's a retired Marine, which means he's now grown his hair down to his ears and thinks he's a hippie. <laughs> 
Justin, out there on the list, so we've talked a bunch about Origins and some of the, the East Coast conventions on the podcast over the years. You, being out on the left coast, get to go hit all those other game conventions that the rest of us just get to read about. And so you've hit a couple of them over the last few years, and so that was part of the reason we wanted to bring you on the podcast tonight, was to talk to us some about those conventions we never otherwise hear about. Um, and so the most recent one was just like a couple of days ago as we're recording this. You were at Game On over there in Seattle. Talk to us about it some. Yeah, yeah. So Game On... Um... So Game On, I think, started in like 2014. So I think they're in their eighth. It was this year, I guess, it was their eighth year. It was uh, February 10th through the 13th. But it's essentially it started as a as a wargaming convention, and it's grown over the last eight years. They do it every February in Seattle area, usually on the east side of Seattle, so one of the outer suburbs. But um, it's kind of moved around. But um, yeah, it was it, it finally came back this year. It's actually kind of weird because Game On 2020 was the very last thing that i did before the pandemic shut everything down because it was in february and it was like then i went on a work trip for two weeks when i came back everything was done because i came back like right before everything locked down so technically only missed one year of game on because they didn't have it in 2021 and this is the first year back and uh yeah so it's every february um what i like about game on uh so it is primarily a war game convention although you do get a mix i did a bunch of videos from from the show this year just to kind of show what was going on it was a little smaller this year than it has been in years past but primarily um yeah it's it's a war game convention first but then there's also a pretty sizable uh, general gaming contingent and um the, the folks who kind of run it the council of people who run game on varies it's like a it's a whole collection a collective of people who all work together to put it on so most of them are war gamers some of them are hobby gamers um, and non-war gamers and everyone coexists peacefully and and supportively with one another um and it's actually pretty nice too because you know the early parts of the convention it it, it used to be just a weekend friday through sunday and now it's expanded to be uh, Wednesday through Sunday, which is a lot. And actually, wow. when I went this year, I, we started on Tuesday night. I volunteered to help Jeff, the guy who runs it, set up. If he would give us some table space on Tuesday night to set up a big game that we were playing, me and a local guy here played um, the Mighty Endeavor, the full full thing uh, with both maps. And so, yeah, so we got some extra time in there, but I, it's, it's, it's an awesome time. There's a lot of people playing monster games. Uh, I believe the designer of uh, Time for Trumpets was there doing a, a game all week. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's a good, it's a good time. What I like about it the most, and, and I highly encourage if you're ever in the Seattle area in February and you want to go to a gaming convention is come to this one. It's super chill. Um, it, they cap the attendance usually every year at around 150 people. So it never, it, the, the goal is to always have it feel intimate and like familiar with the people who show up um, every year and not have it get so big that it becomes like sort of, you know, more towards like a mega convention. And I, and I like that a lot because you end up seeing the same people every time you go back, you end up making friends. I've made a lot of friends through that convention and the only time i hang out with them is at game on but in the weeks leading up to it we always are like okay what are we going to play what do we want to play this time we actually have there's six of us who go every year and we always on the docket one night we always play fee 1429 um which is just like insane it's like primarily a negotiating game i mean it's not really i mean it's kind of a war game but it's mostly a negotiating game and it just gets like so outrageous every year um and it just becomes like this fun tradition so yeah game on game on's a, a fantastic time and, and they do it right i mean the venue that they had this year was new it was a hotel that has like a legit restaurant in it not like a hotel restaurant so um and they have this whole scheme where they had qr codes at every gaming table so if you want to make an order you just scan the qr code and put it in and then everyone in the hotel knew exactly where to bring it to you because it was assigned to each table so there was never like having to leave the room if you didn't want to and there's no one ever searching for you to find where your order was it was just like it was amazing service and and the food was decent so uh yeah it was it was a good time. Game on's awesome. I, it's my favorite. I've been to many different conventions. I've been to Consum World. Um, I've been to the Strategicon in LA. Um, and to me, like the the most fun that I always have going to a convention is that Game On. So, but, uh, Brant, you you heard that now when you run the uh, the physical Armchair Dragoons convention, I, I want food delivered to the table as I'm playing games <laughs> and, and I, uh, scotch. Okay, so look, you'll be retired by then, probably <laughs> twice. So you can get your own food because you've got time to do it. Um, <laughs> can can uh can can we get back to like actually attending real in-person conventions before we try to run one ourselves can we yeah that's probably a good idea yeah um considering how little help i get from the rest of you guys pulling off the (laughs) acdc i'm not in a hurry to try and pull off an in-person one by myself either so i hear you now so game on sounds awesome actually i was just you know as you listed the things that that the, the fact that it's smaller, I like that. I don't know how much it's grown in the past eight years, um, but I like the smaller conventions like that. But yeah, that just sounds like a good time. Yeah, it is. And, and we get people from all over sort of the upper left North America. I mean, we have we have people come in from some years from uh, Vancouver Island. Uh, one year, a couple years in a row, uh, a guy who came in all the way from Prince Rupert, Canada, which is like way 
way up there, you know, <laughs> like almost to Alaska. And then we get international people coming in a lot too. I know, uh, not recently, but uh, Kev from uh, Hipshot, Kev, um, he, Big Board Gaming, he has come several times uh, all the way from Texas. We had a guy this year come all the way from the UK for the week. Wow. Um, so yeah. There's his name, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so hang on. Was he there for game on or was he there for work stuff and he just timed it to be there during game on? <laughs> so I asked him that on Tuesday when I was there because he was helping set up. I asked him, he's like, no, I am here for game on. He's like, it's been too long. I've been locked up in, in my house in England for two years. He's like, I wanted to get back to conventions. And it was like, this was the first one that we could do easily. So I was like, I was all about it. He's like, I told my wife I was going for a week. And yeah, it was pretty wow. crazy. <laughs> that That's hardcore, man. I, I could see somebody going to like Huzzah in Portland, Maine from England. But man, to go all the way to Seattle just for a game yeah. and not a big one like it, it right. wasn't like it was in or something you know it was that's yeah that's I thought going cool. to Origins was impressive for me but yeah wow <laughs> yeah I was impressed and, and, and what's funny is like he sh- he came and then he spent the entire convention just playing time for trumpets that was it like he played that one game the whole week but he was having fun so hey yeah yeah that's that's a long way to go to just have some fun but I, I admire it man I, that's 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 powerful there that's a, I, I remember seeing some early pictures from Game On 2015, maybe. There, there was one year that, that David Heath took Lock and Load up there, mm-hmm. and, and they had kind of the, an official Lock and Load presence. And mm-hmm. I think, I don't recall for sure, and, and I'm sure he'll correct us in the comments on this thing, but I think Barthart flew out there from Ottawa that year for the game on stuff because uh part of what david was releasing was some of the stuff that vance had helped test and so i think uh i think he had flown out to seattle for game on that year 2015 2016 time frame somewhere in there i, I actually remember that year because i think that was 2015 was the first year that i went and uh, i remember them being there and they were a huge supporter they've been a huge supporter of game on even when they're not there in person um and actually this year uh the designer i believe it was the designer who's testing uh, her, he was designing their new Napoleonic game that's going to be coming out, the Napoleonic tactical title. Um, yeah. Can't remember what it's called. Uh, it's, it's in my video, but um, he was there doing play tests of it, and it looked really good. Um, and they always contribute door prizes and stuff like that. So it's yeah, they're they're usually heavily involved. Yeah, we had uh, Devin was on our happy hour this past week. Um, as we are recording this this past week is like two weeks ago. By the time we released this, Devin from Lock and Load popped into our weekly Monday happy hour that we hold on our Discord channel, and and it wasn't really intended. We were just sort of you know being smart asses to Devin about hey when's the next lock and load kickstarter finally going to get around to happening because it's it, you know it's been imminent for two and a half years now and uh and and Devin started running through like the entire lock and load production schedule for the next 18 months we're like you know we didn't ask for this like we're not telling you to stop talking about what's coming but this wasn't really what we asked you to do um but he talked about the Napoleon titles and and even mentioned the fact that they'd gotten some play at game on um, yeah it looks looks fantastic looks really good i wish i could have sat down with the designer i just didn't have time between games to do a video on it but i'm really excited about that that uh particular system yeah yeah, that that'll uh that that'll teach you to want to play games at a game convention instead of just shooting <laughs> right. video, content. So, um, yeah, the the smaller conventions like that sound really cool. I mean, Buckeye Game Fest back when I was going was much closer to that size. It's probably doubled mm-hmm. in size at this point. Just it's been over ten years since I've been to one from back when I was living in Columbus. But the the couple of years that I was I was at Buckeye Game Fest, so six, oh seven, oh eight time frame, it was it was pretty small. It was you know 100, 150 people and uh, one giant hotel ballroom and maybe one additional room on the side and yeah uh, to me to me that's the ideal size for a gaming convention you know I, i've been to gen con several times you know i've been to some of the bigger ones and like they're fun for the spectacle for sure but like i find i yeah. do way less gaming at those types of conventions than i do when i go to something like this where it's like i can sit down and it's relatively quiet and i know the people and people are down to play whatever or you know you get the same group playing the same game every year like that that to me is like the kind of experience i want to have because like i want to yeah. actually play my yeah. games <laughs> yeah nobody's ever going to describe origins as quiet that's uh, <laughs> uh, no <laughs> so mike just think if you went to a convention that size you might have found your missing japanese infantryman by now or i would have lost uh, more <laughs> <laughs> or possibly that oh. you, you lost a piece at a convention no no don't listen to brant <laughs> Actually, he's not telling the whole truth. I, I did it twice, two two years in a row. My, Mike <laughs> opened the shrink on the box, and there were pieces somehow missing. Like time of crisis was punched out of a. <laughs> yeah, it was time of crisis the first time I was I had missed a bunch of governors or something, and I had a picture of where I actually had them, so I, I know I had those. 
And then the next year it was um, Cataclysm. Gathering and I ended up it. I ended up losing two Japanese uh, infantry units. I, I like to I like to think that 30 years from now someone's gonna find them like on an island holding out somewhere <laughs> like those guys after World War II who were like fighting to the 70s, you know. <laughs> Well, That's well awesome. played. <laughs> <laughs> or they're going to rip That's up the awesome. floor in the convention center in Columbus and they're going to just find all that stuff under there. <laughs> yeah. I, I really think they probably fell into one of the little electrical trap doors that they run the, the power cords through underneath the convention. Maybe. Floor. I don't know. I was just like, who would take two <laughs> Japanese infantry? <laughs> I will say this for whatever it's worth. We didn't notice they were missing until after Grant and Alexander were there. Oh, that's right? true. And there were two of them. <laughs> There's two pieces missing, and it was after the players' aid guys sat down and and poked around that game with you. And that's, they were not happy with the way I was running that game. So you may be right. That that sounds like the gauntlet, gauntlet was just thrown for, to them. <laughs> like they listen to us or something. It, they, I was going to say if they knew who, who I really was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before game on, you, you've had a couple of other conventions out there on the West Coast that you were able to, to play around with some. You got to, to live out everybody's great dream and hanging out at GMT headquarters because you went to the weekend at the warehouse a couple of the I, I say a couple of years ago, feels like a couple of years ago. It was just like this past October, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I've actually been uh, several times to the weekend at the warehouse. Um, so I would say, you know, coming back to what we were talking about earlier uh, about um, flying really far to go to a convention, I think... <laughs> So I think there's probably two conventions. If you're a war game fan, there's two sort of organized conventions, maybe three actually, uh, where if you are really into war games or into particular war games, that flying, no matter how far away you are, is worth it. And um, obviously, Consum World I think is a big one if you can do it like the Super Bowl of war games. But for, for what you, the experience you can have at GMT's warehouse, it is totally worth it to go, no matter where you live. What I love about it is, first of all, it's again super casual. They don't make it too big. It's usually 200 people max, right? They have a lot of playing space, but you also get to like you're literally gaming in their building. Building. so like you get to see the the warehouse with the giant racks and like how many copies of games that they have there you know they let you do shopping on saturday and and they frequently hold back stuff that's been out of print specifically for people who go to the warehouse so if there's something you've been looking that's to pick cool. up it's an op opportunity to do that it's like a reward for people who come visit them super fun um a lot of designers and 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 developers are there uh who bring their prototypes or bring games that they've worked on um like the first time i played um uh, the first year that i was there actually is uh was 2015 or 2015 uh in october and i was just there with some friends who who at the time lived in la and they drove up and met me there and we were just gonna have play games there because it was a nice place to meet sort of not halfway but like between us that we could get too easy yeah. and um i remember me and a friend playing wilderness war there um one of the days and it turned out that Volko was also at the convention and he walked over and we started having a conversation about Wilderness War and I was telling him about how it's one of my favorite CDGs of all time and you know just the, the topic and how interested in the French and Indian War I am and um, and so I, you know that conversation spawned into us just kind of keeping in touch over the course of several years and then I went back the next year and got to play I got to play test um, Falling Sky which he was working on with his son and he had brought the prototype for to GMT and I got to play it with Mark Herman who was also there <laughs> and so wow. we had a game it was like me and my two friends and Mark Herman playing Falling Sky which was like super surreal and super fun um, but it's just like it's, it's so awesome to meet those folks because they always come out to GMT um, and there's just a lot of new games like uh, this last October I got a chance to play test the new um, British Way the coin game that's coming out about the, it's like the quad yeah. pack of like the four end of British colonialism and um, I, did, I didn't know what to expect but I was like as soon as I played it I, I pre-ordered it because it was amazing um, and there's just you know just the the feel they have like a really kind of like family feel like if you go a couple times and you start to get to know the people who are there or who are working with GMT they're super welcoming again super chill um, and everyone's super nice like the office staff works over a weekend to make sure that everyone has a good good time at the convention um and i mean i don't mean this in a bad way it might come across this way but like you're in central valley california where like there's not a ton to do outside of the there's convention so everyone's do. there for that and um <laughs> and you're allowed to, you can like focus on a lot of that stuff so yeah i gmt's gmt's thing is is awesome like i i have nothing but good things to say about that and i think everyone should try and go at least once just because of um how they run it and stuff like that i was also so I, there this, this past year oh sorry go ahead yeah go ahead well, i was gonna say i i know where hanford is it's in the middle of flipping nowhere um <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I, I didn't it's, want to say that. 
but I'll let I, you say I it. will. I've I've been up and down the Central Valley, but like John Compton grew up out there. So, I mean, he knows it's out in the middle. What, did you like fly into Fresno and drive yeah. over there or did you go into L.A. with your friends or? Um, I've done it both ways. So I, I sometimes okay. I fly into L.A. and my friends give me a ride up and we just road trip it up there. It's two hours or something like that north of L.A., three hours maybe. Um, yeah. But uh, the more convenient way for me is there's a direct flight from Seattle to Fresno. So I just fly in early morning, rent a car drive the 30 minutes to Hanford and then I'm yeah. there for the weekend and then fly back on Sunday. Basically yeah. Fresno cracks me up. It's, it's this million and a half people in the middle of nowhere because a train broke down there once in the 1800s or something. And people yeah. just figured that was the train stop and a city <laughs> grew up right. Cause you needed an agricultural shipping point out there somewhere and a city grew up around it because you know a train broke down there once like long exactly ago. there is no good reason for fresno to exist other than they needed somewhere to ship stuff out of although you know now it's like it's kind of a it's a college town right because fresno yeah. state university is there which is like a big university and it's also like if you go to yosemite or any of the national parks in the sierras yeah. that is where you would fly into if you're not coming from california because it's the closest big major yeah. airport to get there it's the closest big city to both sequoia and king's canyon national yeah. parks yeah so yeah i uh i I've been up and down the uh, the I-5 corridor a couple of times, I-5 and California 99, which runs the other side of the valley. And yeah, there, there's nothing out there except <laughs> fields until you hit, you know, Fresno or Visalia or Stockton or, you know, stumble into one of the towns along the way by accident so you're right there's nothing to do out there except go play war games in hanford so yeah that, it's, that it's, it, 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 yeah it's great i mean it's totally great i mean gaming in their warehouse is is uh like also super nice like the the, the amount of space they have for stuff to play is insane because of the square footage of their building and it's so unassuming from the outside you, it's like this brick building like that shares some warehouses with other companies and so you would never know if you drove by that like that's where gmt games was <laughs> until they open it for people at those weekend at the warehouses yeah yeah that that, that sounds like a, it, I, I can totally see GMT wanting to bring in like a lot of the designers and developers and sort of almost making a business weekend out of it in addition to the, the wargaming stuff. But the idea of being able to see a lot of those games like a year or two before they, they even hit P500 um, is probably pretty a pretty neat experience. Yeah, exactly. Well, and so I was going to say was I'm actually working on a design um, for a game, uh, among other things that I'm doing. Um, and I actually brought the playtest prototype there um, just to a to get like, get playtesting on it, but also to show them at GMT just like what I was working on kind of stuff. And so um, there's a lot of people doing that as well. Um, you know, yeah. a bunch of like you said, they, they typically give everyone who comes like an advance notice of what's coming to P500 in the next couple months. So um, there was this, you know, they do a state of GMT on, on Saturday morning or Sunday morning i figure which day um where the gene talks all about the stuff that they're working on and and what designers they're doing like we knew at that convention they talked a little bit about i napoleon which just hit p500 a couple months ago the new ted racer napoleon kind of I'm, I'm not even sure it was months ago i think it's been since christmas yeah yeah exactly yeah like fairly recently but like you know yeah. they were talking they were telling everyone about that um in october when you were there so it's like a really nice way if you want to peek behind the curtain of what gmt is working on it's awesome for that as well yeah do they yeah. uh do they limit the numbers to that thing or is it uh... they do yeah they do i'm not sure if if they cap it based on their capacity or if they cap it based on the local hotel capacity yeah it's it's usually around 200 people maybe a little more so it's not huge is it is it like a lottery system or something that you have to go through or no I don't, I think it's, when they confirm it like they're gonna they're gonna do another one here in april um that i'm planning on going to and i think as soon as they confirm that they're doing it in the next update i think it's just you know you you let them know that you're coming and it's first come first serve so yeah okay first 200 people who see the email and reply <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, exactly yeah if, if anybody is curious about the timing of that update, it will be released by Gene approximately six minutes after we post Tuesday Newsday. <laughs> All of the GMT news will get released to the rest of the world right after Tuesday Newsday goes live so that by the time we get around to you know, talking about it the next week, everybody's been talking about it for an entire week before we get it included in our update, just because that's how they roll. I swear they, they, the only thing they watch for on our site is for Tuesday <laughs> newsday to go live. Okay. It's live. Okay, good. Send our monthly email out, you know? And, and of course, if you hold on it and you don't post it and you wait for that update, the update will be like delayed a week or a month or whatever. Oh, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That actually happened one time. It's not that we held on to it. It was just because of my regular work schedule. It was, it was running behind that day and so tuesday news they didn't post until like dinner time that evening or whatever it was it was pretty late um but somewhere in there like an announcement went out on their website yeah the uh gmt updates run a little behind we'll post it next week <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's exactly what happened <laughs> so, Mur murphy's law it never yeah. fails 
As the Dragoons proudly charge into their eighth season of Mentioned in Dispatches, we'd like to pause and thank those Patreon supporters who pledged at the regimental patron level. So a heartfelt thanks to Treb Curry, Staggerwing, Patrick Mullen, Mike Quigley, Hethwell Wargames, Patrick Garrity, Robert, Kevin Bertram, and Joseph Knoll for their support of the Armchair Dragoons and enabling us to bring you the best wargaming content we can. You, too, can sign up as a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash armchair dragoons. One of the hallmarks of GMT stuff is just the, the time that they take in playtesting and developing their designs before they go live. And, you know, they, they'll be working on stuff two and three years before they even tell the rest of the world that they're working on it. Um, I know Red Dust Rebellion, we first saw that back at, at a previous website four years before GMT even picked it up. We had an interview with the designer. And I remember, so a distant plane, Volko and Brian started working on that in... 2010 is when they were on the panel at Connections together and I think that published 2013 or 14 mm-hmm. and that one finally escaped into the wild mm-hmm. um, I remember seeing Andy and Abyss at Connections in 2010 that's when uh, when Volko had the play test one there and so I think that one got released in 2010 11 or 2012 yeah. but by the time Volko had the playtest at Connections it was at the National Defense University that year it was already a pretty well developed game and at, at that point it was just sort of playing it just to see if something weird happened but the the core design was was pretty much set um so it so helps he, that he's a genius by the way well yeah that, that certainly little... doesn't hurt <laughs> yeah uh, so we uh yeah the, Joe Miranda and I were the co-chairs of one of the panels at Connections that year and we I, I booked Volko and Brian together on that panel um Joe brought in Roger Mason for uh for that panel also and and so because that was the the year that Brian and Volko met which led to the collaboration for a distant plane and because I'm the one that booked them onto that panel together I've always joked that I claim like nine percent of the credit for the fact that a distant plane even exists well hey listen <laughs> and that's probably still too high but I've just always kind of you know joked that, that's that. actually really awesome to know because I was just gonna say if you go way way back a distant plane is actually the very first war game hardcore war game that I ever like bought or played it's a game that got me into the hobby when it came oh, out wow. so even if it's nine percent you're nine percent responsible for me being here now at this moment <laughs> the world works in mysterious ways <laughs> sure does all right so game on weekend at the warehouse you did a constant world expo you did some strategic cons uh in, any good work stories in in there for those that you you want to talk about some yeah, well, so uh, Strategic Con I did once, and uh, I, I was actually in L.A. for work, and I only got to go one night, but I met some friends. I, it's a convention I would really like to go back and do more regularly um, as it sort of gets ramped up again. I know they do it like three times a year, and there's kind of like a different focus on each one. I Like the same group does that okay. convention three times a year. Yeah, they, they hit they hit three of the holiday weekends. I, I know Memorial yeah. Day and Labor Day are two of them, and yep. I think the third one's 4th of July. I, I don't remember for sure. It, it, it could be 4th of July. It could be like uh you know columbus day weekend or something i don't remember i i know memorial day and labor day are two of them but isn't one of the strategic cons up in san francisco it may be now yeah it might be because it's like strategic con orc con and i forget what the third one is called and they all like orc con is much more about role playing from what i understand and strategic yeah. con is much more war gaming heavy um so we're all computers computers where we can just pop right online and look this up and we're all yeah, yeah. <laughs> right yeah exactly so that, that that one's fun if you're in the LA area. I but yeah, the other one, I've, Constant World, I've done once, and I would like to go back. I learned a lot about that particular convention with that experience. Um, like the most important thing, if you're if you're ever thinking about going to Constant World, my biggest advice to anyone is like make your plans. Go with someone you know or meet someone there that you know, and make the plans really far in advance. Whether you're trying to play with people you don't know um, or going with friends, because there's very little pickup gaming that happens there, at least in my experience when I was there, and it's really hard to find people to play something that you want or join other games because everyone's got their like monster game set for the week like two months in advance basically um wow. so unless you're unless you want to do demos but uh like with designers and stuff like that but it is it is very serious business at uh at constant world um in terms of like making sure you have your itinerary set before you go i find yeah now this- but as a solo gamer i would have no problem doing that without taking someone right <laughs> <laughs> or even getting on a plane <laughs> yeah sure 
I would just this, pull off the campaign from for North Africa and start playing by myself. <laughs> there you go. This, this will sound a little silly, but just to clarify for the audience, you're talking about the original CSW Expo out in Phoenix, not the new, the, the new, more recent vintage one that is standing up in Dallas. Correct. I actually did not even know there was a new Dallas one. Yeah. They I so John had relocated to Dallas some number of years ago and and I want to say they actually did one in Dallas a couple of years ago, pre-plague, mm. but the, the plague had stifled John's attempts to get the Dallas one off the ground the last couple of years. Um, they, they are actually registering for the Dallas one now. And, and it's happening in April. Uh, again, you know, like if only we were sitting in front of a bunch of devices that would allow us to instantly <laughs> access this info. But I'm, I'm going to pull it up here real quick. But CSW in Dallas, where'd it go? Expo Dallas. It's, it's coming up in April and page is loading, page is loading. Oh, it's May, my bad. May 12th to 15th is uh, is one that's going to be happening in Dallas. So so you do have an option for those of you in the middle of the country. Um, more importantly, you don't have to be in Phoenix in July. <laughs> Much like Winterfest is, is, you know, Ohio in February when the weather sucks. Phoenix in July, it's not really pleasant. Now, again, you're not going to spend a lot of time outside. But... <laughs> I mean, but like, yeah, it was 118 every day while I was there at that time of year. It's like even just walking across the block to get like lunch at a restaurant. It's like the top of your head starts to tangle as soon as you step out the door, you know? Yeah. Very warm. Yeah. All right. So going back the other direction, you crossed international boundaries to make it to a game convention as well. Yeah, I did. Uh, so yeah, back in, uh, well, every November, um, there's a convention in uh, Vancouver area, British Columbia called Bados Con. I, I like to call it the Canadian version of Game On because it's almost all of the same people pretty much um, who, do, who do that show as well. But it's done in New Westminster, BC, which is a suburb of Vancouver. Um, and it, again, it's, it's a really fun time. It's about the same size as Game On, 150 people, um, more Canadians than Americans um, from sort of the Western part of Canada. Um, but you know, other people show up there as well, but it's primarily wargaming. They do ASL championship stuff there. That's sort of like a big like segment mm -hmm. of the convention is the Northwest ASL championships, I believe. Um, but yeah, it's it's again that's that's another great one. Like if you're ever in Canada, uh, in in Vancouver area in November, they do they always do it on Remembrance Day weekend, so Canadian Veterans Day. It's just again really well run. The venue's really nice. There's a lot of stuff. It, it, unlike Hanford, there's a lot of stuff to do around the venue and a lot of places to go <laughs> eat and stuff. So it becomes like a nice social experience after hours where there's like three different bars you can go to and everyone's in there having a beer and whatnot, talking about the games that they've been playing. I actually this past uh, November, the one I was at, I got super lucky. So um, the, one of the days that I was there. Uh, this this guy shows up with a with a playtest demo, a prototype that he's built of this game. What, what I would later learn is sort of like a spiritual successor to Republic of Rome. Um, you oh, know, wow. And it's a negotiation-heavy Roman game. You each play as one of the four major families in sort of the Republican era of Rome. And it's all about uh, influence and politics and stuff like that. And got a lot, of, a lot of very similar systems, so it's very inspired by that. But it turns out he's been designing this game for years. He is from Sweden. He lives in Sweden. He had, he had friends that he had met through Wargaming that he had never met in person before. And he just so happened to be in Canada on vacation in like Eastern BC, meeting up with these friends. And they convinced him. They said, "Hey, you, hey, you should take your prototype to BadosCon one day, while, you know, while we're while you're here, and just see if you can get some people to play it and check it out." So he did one session, and I got to play in it, and it, the game was awesome. Uh, super excited about it. It's called Julii. He's got a Facebook page, and uh, he and I have been going back and forth talking about, um, you know, play testing it and stuff like that. He's got, I think, he's got a Vassal module made for it. Um, I think he's he's looking for a publisher. I think he's pretty far along in, in potentially getting a publisher for it but it's a fantastic game if you like republic of rome um very similar in vibe and just got super lucky to be at bottos con when he was there the one the one half day that he was there got a chance to play it um so you know uh, that's the other thing about small cons is like you never know who you're going to meet there it's what i really yeah. like is like people bring stuff that you've never even heard of that you can sit down and play test and it ends up being super interesting and you know trying to build that buzz is yeah the bottos con is great as well yeah that's that's really cool there's actually one of the other dragoons is a bottos con regular silent disapproval robot from our forums is a regular at bottos con he's he's a vancouver local that's awesome. that's home for him and and so every year at bottos con he ends up throwing a bunch of pictures up in our forum so hey, go check out the forum you might be in some of the pictures who knows i might actually know him because <laughs> <laughs> the convention's not that big so there's yeah. only so many places to hide and and that was you know it's funny you mentioned going across international lines it was like the first time i'd been to canada in two years it was like the very like they just opened the border again to be able to get across without like crazy you know uh, rigmarole to go through covid and stuff like that and so it was just like so refreshing to like go up there and like be traveling internationally again and doing something that was fun it was the first convention where you know it was like okay can we do this safely 
in the pandemic and you know there's a lot of good policies in place for that and it just was very comfortable and very well run rob does a great job yeah no that's that's great that's uh that's very cool to hear I know that's been one of the big things that that a lot of people have talked about is how do we start pulling off these game conventions on uh, so there's there's two pieces to this and and I don't want to end up drifting off into political turf but the reality is that there's still a plague out there that can dramatically impact people um even if there's a very small chance any chance can be too much of a chance for some people and so you want to make sure those folks are actually safe but then on the other side the practical reality of how do we actually do this within the constraints that the local health authorities give us to do these things. And, and so that's something that, that you've always got to figure out and, uh, and, and work around with. So, um, it seems like people are figuring it out. Like, you know, yeah. there's obviously conventions happening now and they don't seem to be going badly for anyone who's attending, which is awesome. Yeah. I, look, we, we did Origins this past year with the plague going on and it, it, it wasn't as big as a normal Origins, but it still felt like Origins when you were in there in the midst of it all. And that was still really cool. The one thing we noted, you, you got to talk a little louder to be heard through the mask and you need a different mask every day because by the end of the day, running games for four, five, six hours a day, your mask is pretty darn sweaty and rank and you don't want to put it back on the next day. Oh. <laughs> so soggy mask it, soggy mask is not a good convention experience. No, no, it is it is absolutely not. Um one of the first conventions that that happened in person, not really post plague, but kind of mid mid plague, although we didn't know that at the time, in November of 2020, the guys out in Charlotte that from Just Us Productions actually pulled off Mace, um, Mid Atlantic Convention Expo, but Mace in Charlotte in November of 2020. It was over Veterans Day weekend. There was zero walk-up registration. They had capacity limits in all of the individual rooms. So they actually had to have bouncers at the doors of the rooms that if you had a ticket for an event in that room, you were allowed in that room. And if you didn't, you weren't in there to keep the, the room capacities below what the local health officials said. But basically, Jeff went to the local health officials and said, tell me what my restrictions are. I'm going to stick to every single one of them, but I'm doing this. Like, you, you tell me what I'm allowed to do and that's exactly what I'm going to do and I'm not going to step an inch out of line but I'm going to do everything I can within the rules you give me and they did they ended up with 280 300 people or so um now they he, he takes over the entire ground floor of of a fairly well appointed hotel that has a bunch of different large conference rooms and ballrooms so he's got some space to spread out it wasn't much of a vendor presence because you can't really keep the head count down in the vendor room so so the vendor presence was pretty sparse and a bunch of them were actually out in the hallways because that's where you could actually have some traffic past them um but but they pulled it off they they had an in-person convention in in november of 2020 and then they had another one this past year in uh november of 2021 and that was their 25th anniversary show <clears throat> the bad news on this and and where i'm bringing all this up is um it we're waiting to see what happens with the future of Mace. And this has been released on the Just Us Productions website. But Jeff had put a statement out back at the beginning of January that he had been diagnosed with liver cancer. And so they had put some of the events on hold. Um, Mace, there, there's the main convention in November, but then they also do mini Mace, Mace West, and they usually do a cruise as well that uh, is, is a big game cruise as a part of all this. They had canceled the Club Mace cruise. Mace West is still going to happen in March. But beyond that, we're not sure what the future holds for Just Us Productions. And they posted an update in, what was the actual date on this? 16th of February. So so just within the past two weeks or so as we're recording this, that um, Jeff is now in the last stages. And they've stopped treatment because it's not making a difference. And unfortunately, the, the gaming world is going to lose a really awesome dude and, and a really good guy. I've known Jeff for over a decade now. And, and so they're keeping Mace West on the schedule. Beyond that, we'll have to see what happens to the company and, and everything else that Jeff used to run. It is unfortunate. Uh, it, it is a very sad thing whenever we lose one of the gamers, but to lose somebody that had put that much blood, sweat, and tears and that much love of gaming and shared that much of his love of gaming over the last 25 years, um, I mean, that just really sucks. It's it's a real gut punch, and, and it just it really sucks what happened, what's happened to Jeff. And so, folks out there, please keep the, the Smith family in your thoughts and prayers. And, uh, and and not because we're losing a game convention, but because the gaming world is losing a really awesome dude and a husband and a dad, and, and he's a fantastic guy, and, and it sucks that, that this is happening. Sadly, Mike, we're all getting older, man. This is this is happening too much. Um, yeah, it's happened a lot this year, it seems like. Yeah. 
Yeah. So um, I don't want us to end on a downer. I did want to make sure that we had said something about Jeff just because we've talked about Mace before. Um, we, it was one of the first things we covered after the Dragoons launched. Like Mace was one of the first things that we covered um, once the, the website launched. I, I drove out there and spent a day out there in Charlotte, you know, walking around, taking pictures, doing some live coverage from the show and everything. We'd had Jeff on the podcast way back in another podcast. Um, he's just a fantastic dude. And I wanted to make sure that, that we gave him all the credit he could possibly get for the 25 years of running a great game convention um, and, and wanted to make sure we did that. So that's a long time, 25 years. Yeah. Yeah. I was back when Bayonet games was a thing. I was a vendor back when they were still in high point at 06, 06 or 07. I was there as a vendor also played in a bunch of stuff while I was there. Um, had a great time. They were very welcoming. It was a ton of fun. Um, it was also there a couple of other years intermittently over the years to, uh, to just play some stuff, uh, just popped in, did some media coverage, played some games while I was there, did some play test stuff you know, similar to what you, you know, Justin, to what, what you had at some of your other conventions. Um, we were always planning on, you know, when, when we got around to doing an actual Dragoons convention, Jeff was going to be one of the guys we called for some advice. All right, Jeff, how do we pull this off? Um, Cause you don't really know what you don't know until you try doing it. And then you suddenly figure out all the things you don't know how to do. Um, we, we were hoping to be able to ask Jeff for some help to do that. And right around the time we were ramping up to actually take that plunge is when the plague hit and we put all those plans on hold. Um, but uh, again, the, the point here wasn't to be a giant downer on all of this. It was to make sure that, that you know, we, we offered some small tribute to Jeff and all the great work that he'd done over the years in the gaming world. So <clears throat> on that note, Justin, what's the next convention you think you're going to hit? Where, where well, are you going to be GM, GMT in April? Um, I'm okay. going to go back for that and, you know, have a blast over a weekend. And uh, so we'll be watching for coverage on the channel. Definitely. Definitely. Watch, and, watch. and uh, you know, uh, hopefully uh, able to, it's funny because when I go out, my friends are always like, Hey, if they have this game, can you pick it up for me? So I always have to go with like extra suitcases so that I can bring <laughs> some games back home that I buy there. Uh, yeah. So I, I definitely will take, if not a video, definitely a photo of the before and after luggage going to that convention. <laughs> yeah. So my my favorite thing about Gen Con is that like they have a, a whole station that does nothing but do shipping for you. Yeah. So like you can ship home whatever you buy there. It's such an easy show to just spend tons and tons of money at, and then you're like, how am I going to get this all home? So they have like Gen Con like staff running the shipping station where you can go and pay for them to box up your games and send them home, which is just like wild. Yeah, the the ground floor of the uh, Columbus Convention Center at Origins has a UPS store, or it used to. I don't know if it still does, uh, but they used to set up a booth up in the exhibit hall up above. <laughs> Make for- you to be able to just, yeah oh hell yeah there's tons of people and and because they uh they handle all the custom stuff for you also a lot of the international folks would use that for the uh for the international shipping so um after we get at the warehouse what's what's next any idea oh uh, that's a great question um yeah i guess i guess uh after week after weekend at the warehouse um i've been kind of wanting to go back to constant world my mom lives in phoenix so it's pretty easy for me to go to uh because i could just yeah. stay at her house um i might do that uh yeah i haven't really i mean like most of my time this year probably going to be spent more on the design aspect but any convention i can get to uh i'm going to probably go to just and take that with the prototype with me just to get work done on it so yeah 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 totally why not so we uh so mike i think washington at this point is off the table for us i I think yeah it's it's looking unlikely unfortunately maybe next year yeah maybe Um, next year i I will say so the dragoons are still gonna be at origins we've we've Still got a plan for a significant war game presence there, so I will definitely be at Origins. Uh, we're hoping Mike actually gets off his butt and commits more than a week ahead of time, um, but <laughs> we'll see. Um, we we know Gary's going to be there. We know Rick is going to be back. We're, we're going to have a handful of the usual suspects there. Um, we're, we're hoping Mike is one of them. Um, beyond that, Mike, is anything else on the horizon for you guys, for, for you, for convention stuff uh, not this year 30 days from now there will be plenty of conventions happening exactly i was gonna say not this year maybe after this year ends i was um you know we had talked about getting do, uh, doing mace um but unfortunately like you said that doesn't like that may not happen so that would have been another one that, that i would like to have gone to so yeah so just uh, to be clear i'm not saying mace isn't happening this year i'm saying i right. don't know yet um, yeah and right. it's early to tell and the, and the biggest thing is obviously the focus right now is the smith family and let's take care of them um, yep, of what course. we don't know ron has been kind of jeff's right hand man for a long time helping run a lot of the technical stuff that helps make mace go ron has sort of stepped into helping make sure mace west gets pulled off beyond that i don't know what's happening um unfortunately yeah, yeah. 
So, and, and yeah, so to be fair, nobody does. So, yeah, but so yeah, it'll, it'll be different starting next year. And, you know, I, it, I'm not too far from some of these uh, conventions, you know, going on in this area, Historicon's not too far from here. Uh, actually Sandusky, that's not too far from here. So that's another, yeah. you know, so there's maybe some of these smaller conventions I can start hitting. You've got Prezcon right down the street too in Charlottesville. And that's the thing, you know, as you start looking at what's out there, you start finding more and more, it seems like that there's cons all over the country the uh, small cons imagine if there. somebody had like a master calendar with all of those conventions <laughs> all listed on one big calendar that you could find it, it would be nice but that someone would have to find somebody to populate that calendar so how, how cool would that be <laughs> if there was somebody to actually like maintain that calendar over the long haul and people to use it that that would, that would be, be that cool. would be that would be cool that would be neat i i justin's nodding he i, I don't think he realizes we have one on our site <laughs> and it was when we first launched the dragoons we put this calendar up and we loaded everything not just all the conventions but like every club calendar we could possibly find so like cabs up in columbus we had the cabs calendar linked to this so if you wanted to know what cabs meetings were they were on our calendar there was some game store in dallas that had like every other wednesday was a war game night so we had that on the cat like everything we could possibly find and the thing got like eight hits in six months like nobody (laughs) was using this page at all and so we just sort of let it die and then and then the plague hit so it didn't matter um, but then like six, eight weeks ago, well, it was a little more than that. It was back in the fall, right around the time of uh, PAX Unplugged. Suddenly everybody's like, hey, so when's the next ca- When's the next uh, convention? Hey, when's another convention? Hey, is there some master calendar of all these? I'm like, God damn it, we had it. <laughs> we had that calendar and y'all didn't give a shit, so we didn't keep it up. I feel like if you just made it its own website, just a one page website that was just constantly, you know, like whatever you would call that, you know, make it the go to resource that like it's just some easy URL that people remember, you know. Well, if you go hit armchairdragoons.com, it's the <laughs> it's the event tab. Right yeah, it really wasn't hard to find. It wasn't that. Yeah. It's it, it, we didn't hide it. It's it's right up at the top. Um, Maybe that yeah, was the problem. Maybe you should have hit it. It's labeled calendar, right? It's live events across the wargaming world. And not only is it all on the calendar, but we've got the convention only extract down below that I need to go back and strip off the the couple of them that have just recently happened, like Game On at Williamsburg Muster, and and slap next year's dates on the uh, on the end of those. Um, but yeah, I mean it it's there and it's existed for you know several years, and nobody cared until like you know, two months ago. I'm going to start using that if you guys uh, update it. That'll help me uh, immensely. Had I known about it, I would have been used. I would have been the ninth person to use it. <laughs> well, well, not only that. So so the other thing that we do have for folks that are listening out there and going, you know, G. Brandt, that's real helpful. There is a link right above the calendar. Uh, there, we've, we've got a link to a form that if you've got your own conventions or events that you want added to the calendar, go fill out that form for us so that we've got them to be able to add. And, and we do ask that you fill out the form. Don't just send us an email because the form form is is set up to populate in the format that we need for the Google Calendar tool to ingest the uh, like a spreadsheet version so we can load 8, 10, 12 things all at once. Um, so so please use that form if you've got uh, conventions or or you know, other events, it doesn't even have to be a full convention, just regular larger meetup events or whatever. Um, let us know so we can get them up on the calendar. Um, a bunch of the ones that are on our calendar just recently happened. Game on just recently happened. Um, William Williamsburg muster, some photos for that went up on the site. Um, Went up on I'm close to, yeah. Um, yeah, we, we linked <laughs> Williamsburg Muster and Tuesday Newsday, but uh, Winterfest going on right now, Battle at the Crossroads over on the other side of Ohio. Um, it just recently happened. A bunch of those photos went up online not long ago. Um, there's some some pretty cool stuff happening there. So we, we've got a bunch of these that, that we've been sharing info on um, So and, and linking to the coverage of them that other people have done. So so it, it what's cool about all of this is that there's people in rooms together playing war games again, right? <laughs> That's that's the important part of all. That's this. what you want to see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so that's that that's the cool part of all of that. So those those things have gotten shared again. So um, Justin, one of these days we're gonna have to get us and you at a real in-person game convention somewhere somehow. absolutely yeah i've been you know i've been dying to go to like compass games expo or mmp's thing or any like origins like one of the east coast things that uh or eastern u.s things that's got a wargaming focus i've been dying to go to yeah yeah we uh we we still harbor delusions of grandeur of holding a a dragoon specific wargame convention somewhere so the 12 of us that will bother to show up that weekend can all get together and game um but we'll uh 
we'll see when when and if we can actually pull it off. Hey, okay, but if it's just twelve, that'll be a lot of fun still. Yeah, that's a great that's a great player count. You have two two full six player games going at once. There you yeah. go. Well, the other thing is, it, everybody after twelve means you need another bottle of scotch. <laughs> <laughs> well, if Gary comes; he can bring his excess from his cellar. How much excess do you think Gary would really claim to have in his scotch? Right, <laughs> Gary's going to claim to have zero excess. It's all for him. <laughs> and that just means we'll have to force him to do a counter clipping stream every night of the of the Armchair Dragoons convention. Sure. Yeah, we. Get, but see, Mike, the other thing is, if we can get Bob to fly over for one of those he can bring us a bunch of scotch from scotland because he's like a an hour drive from eight different distilleries and uh and we'll get bob to bring it all back with him that'll work scotch con let's do it yeah scotch con (laughs) well what'll happen is bob will bring us a suitcase full of scotch this way and he'll go home with a suitcase full of games back to the (laughs) yeah that that's what'll happen so all right cool this, this has been a ton of fun justin thank you for making the time to uh to join us here on mention of dispatches uh mike thanks for sitting in and you know pulling yourself away from the uh the teeming metropolis that you live in there and that's know, right finding find some time to, to eke out for us fighting <laughs> the traffic to get back here to do this yep yeah yeah there you go the uh the trip from the 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 back deck to the living room was a long trek wasn't it? <laughs> that's right <laughs> Cool. Yeah, thank um, you very much for uh, having me on. This is awesome. Yeah, it was great and, uh, to uh, meet you, Justin. Enjoyed it. Likewise, we, we will absolutely do this again. Uh, for folks that didn't see it, just Justin did the Robotech interview during the last ACDC, and so now that he's done one, every other future ACDC, we're gonna require him to show up and do something. <laughs> I love it. I'm That's ready. Just, throw, throw it at me and don't tell me what it is. Just let me like ad hoc it. <laughs> no, you see, we do that. It, Dan's the one we do that to. We, we do that to Dan. Just, <laughs> right. Just, He's just also much better at doing that than I am probably. Yeah. So well, that's how he does. That's how he does the GMs at origins. You know, we don't know what we're going to run until the day before. And he goes here, you've got to run this game. And we're like, I never even heard of this. <laughs> <laughs> you, you realize I can prove otherwise with the email <laughs> traffic that I've saved. Right. That's true. He gives us a week. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> At least, at least a week. So. Cool. Um, audience, thank you very much for spending a little time with us here on Mentioned in Dispatches. Uh, we've still got some connections online coverage coming up uh, down the line. We've also, uh, we're, we're going to be looking forward to, to some of those other game conventions that we discussed. Um, I'm sure after Buckeye Game Fest, we're going to have a sit down with Gary and and talk with him some about what all they did at Buckeye Game Fest and with the War Room. And and who knows what else we're going to end up talking about uh, over the course of this, this season of Mentioned in dispatches uh so thanks and we'll catch y'all next time and-